Welcome. It is the Ski Bomb Podcast, episode number 323, and it's your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Getting ready for some skiing, working out, just trying to get ready for the season. There you go. And one way to get fired up for the season is to watch a bunch of kick-ass ski and snowboard movies. And yes. that is exactly what we are going to do in the main topic today. We're not going to, well, we're going to talk, but we're mostly just going to watch a bunch of stuff and comment. And actually, that would be a really weird episode if we just watched it. That would be very, a lot of silence, because I don't know, in terms of copyright or anything, we couldn't actually, you know, show it. But yeah, that's kind of weird. Just us it'd be and very reaction weird. and yeah. But yeah, we're going to list a bunch of them. You know, there's always so many of them and it's really hard to, it would be really tough to make a list of every single one. But we got about 10 of them. Let's talk about that, them. Yeah. 10 of them that we saw in our travels through YouTube that it's funny. I was on YouTube editing the last episode podcast i've been watching some sports and i just wanted to like put something chill on and usually i put on like coffee house jazz like that's one of my <sighs> they'll have seasonal backgrounds and it'll have like chill kind of yeah like in the background music so these days they'll show a fireplace and you know maybe like a window some snow falling and playing some just you know benign jazzy kind of music in the summertime they'll show like beach and make that chill I was looking for that. And then I saw a bunch of really cool ski movies that I had saved or just, it just knew that my profile was like, my man, this is what you're going to want to watch. So I ended up being up till one in the morning watching ski movies while editing the nice. podcast. So it was a lot of fun and wanted to share some of those with all of you. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out. Ski podcast.com. You're on the socials. X, Instagram, Facebook, Untapped, YouTube, at Ski Bump Podcast. You want to support the show? Want to help us out? Patreon.com slash Ski Bump Podcast. We're going to have that mega tier, the $100 a month one. We know you got 100 bucks a month burning a hole in your pocket. Become a producer of the show. You can do it at that level. Yeah. We're also updating the other tiers this week. So Cyber Week. Everyone's starting Black Friday way too soon. We're still slacking it. Cyber Week, we're going to have all those tiers fixed up with the actual rewards in there. So please check it out. Patreon.com slash Ski Bump Podcast. Send us an email, Ski Bump Podcast at gmail.com. Do you need stickers for the season? Oh, we got stickers. Everybody needs stickers. So check this out. We got the updated one because it used to say highfalutin ski bums. And we're starting to get away from that. Obviously, we are the Ski Bump Podcast. We're not as highfalutin as we used to be, man. You know, inflation, economy. <laughs> yeah, the dollar doesn't go as far as it used to. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. This one, this is a sexy fancy. number. Look at this. It's the holographic one. Whoa. That's a fancy one. That's a fancy one. If you were up at the Snowbound Expo, you saw these all over the place because we were passing them out to folks. And also, too, I don't know why we didn't do these years ago. We did actually, you did make some up very early on when we had the older logo, but yeah. coaster. When you think of coaster us, time. you think of mediocre skiing, but awesome drinking and podcasting. So there you go. Boom. Podcast coasters. Do you want some of these? Hit us up. Ski bump podcast at gmail.com. Also big. Thank you out to the good folks at 10,000. You still got a little time to train. Mario, you said you were doing some training. Beautiful thing. 
I started okay. doing I started doing a new workout regiment. I've been doing the same thing for a long time. I need to do something crazy and different. I started yesterday and I've done two of them. Mayor, just kicking what my ass. It? I'm doing the uh, beach body. It's called the lift more. And hmm. it uses, it does two muscle groups. So yesterday it was chest and biceps. And today was calves and quads. Hmm. It supersets things. It does three sets, 12 reps each, and then does hit or burnouts at the end. I just like, I worked out a certain way for so long, you know, and we have someone that kind of gives you a new platform, a new routine. Your body's just like, what are we doing? Like this hurts. I was sweating with this one. So this one's more of a, a lot more movement and less time between stuff. So I need this. This is good. It's supposed to be eight weeks. It's probably gonna take me like twelve because I'm not gonna do the five workouts a week just because other stuff got going on. But awesome. And you know what I wore when I was working out? I used my gear from ten thousand. Ten thousand dot cc. Athlete nice. led. Only way to become your best is to work with the best. Their motto is better than yesterday. At the heart of ten thousand is the idea of pursuit in business, fitness, life, and skiing. They believe in moving forward with a quiet dedication to constant improvement and to becoming just a little bit better than you were yesterday. Use the code BSCHNEIDER15, B-S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R-1-5, 15% off, get jacked. Interval shorts, big fan of that one. Thank you, 10,000. All right, Mario, let's kick this off the way we always do. It's time for our pray today. I want to say, you inspired me with your apres from last week, your velvet cream amaretto. I made a homemade, deconstructed version, one while editing the podcast and watching those ski movies on Sunday. And then before this podcast, I had some leftover coffee, didn't want to waste it, threw in some cream, threw in some amaretto. Nice. Absolutely delicious. If you haven't yeah. tried it and you are down with bitter almonds and Peach pits or whatever they we we talked about that makes up amaretto, delicious. So damn good. Excellent, excellent tip. Excellent. It's great in coffee. Time. I was tell, I was telling you earlier that like you can go half and half on coffee. It's what I did this weekend. I was like, let's try it out, man. And it's a lot Pardon better me. than the Irish country cream or the Bailey's. This is too sweet. Kirk Lely's. Kirk Lely's. Kirk Lely's. Kirk Lely's. So I I. I was out in the grocery store and I'm like, you know, I'm always looking for stuff. And I know it's, uh, you know, after Halloween, it's kind of weird time. People are going a little too early, I think, towards Christmas. Uh, But then you still have the laggers from Halloween, but it's still seasonal right now. Pumpkin beers, right? It's still, we're going to eat some pumpkin pie. This is the prime time right now. Pumpkin pie with a pumpkin beer, right? Um, So I found out. The good old dogfish head pumpkin ale. Oh, look at that. The pumpkin. Pumpkin. Um, yeah, this is. They changed their whole branding a, and everything, didn't they? Because it used to be orange. Yeah, that whole can is. It's brown with the orange pumpkins. So it's just a little bit different branding, but uh, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool can. Uh, the beer. Mmm, good nose. So different look to the can. Same deliciousness. God damn, that's a good pumpkin beer. This is one of the favorite pumpkin beers. This is um, 
I guess this pumpkin and there was another, but I think this one rises to the top. Um, it comes in pretty heavy too, right? Isn't it around 8%? Uh, 7%. Seven, um, okay. And it has like a brown sugar pumpkin pie. I wouldn't say pie, just pumpkin taste. Um, the Gourd's Gone Wild, the perhaps? Cigar City one's pretty good too, but. Um, but Gourd's yeah, Gone Wild. Gourd's Gone Wild. <laughs> That's uh, from Cigar City. That one's really good too. That's that's, that's one of the best name. names for a beer, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, Gord's Gone Wild. Gord's Gone Wild. Um, but yeah, this one actually on Beer Advocate got an eighty-eight, which is pretty damn good. And I guess out of pumpkin beers, it's ranked sixty-fourth. I don't know what the whole pumpkin beer ranking thing about. Out of pumpkin beers, that seems crazy. Seems really low, right? I'm surprised there's that many pumpkin beers because I remember a couple years ago, everybody had at least a pumpkin, maybe two. And if you were the crazy people at Elysian, you had four. Then it just dropped off after that. They were like, this is, we got too much pumpkin beer. One of my favorite Hapre ski times ever was at Mount Snow when you were having a pumpkin head (laughs) in February. (laughs) I'm like, there's no way this is fresh. This is like a leftover keg someone forgot about. Or it was on sale, oh. buried. It was because February is not exactly peak pumpkin. Not known for pumpkin time. time. Yeah, not really. Yeah. Oh, actually, so Cigar City makes one. I get them confused. I think they have one called Gourd's Gun Wild, but then there's another one called Good Gourd, and that's Cigar City. That one's number five on the list. Good Gourd. That's pretty legit. Number five. Oh my gourd. Oh my gourd. <laughs> I love the play of words. Oh, Punkachino. Elysian, that one, you're like, that one's 17. 17, rank 17 or 17%? Seven, uh, rank 17. Okay. That's, That's a good one. Good. That's one of the best ones. And I saw a whole show on, they were talking about pumpkin and they make this. So the story behind the, the pumpkin ale is. I guess it's named after Pumpkin Chunkin, the um, you know the uh, festival they have where they launch pumpkins uh, after like I guess it's after um, Halloween. They launch these pumpkins with like trebuchets and crap like that just to see how far they could throw them uh, in a field. So they said, uh, I guess they have this contest. In 1994, they had the contest, and it was six months before they opened their uh, brewery for business. But I guess they participated in it, and uh, they really got jazz about it. And they decided to put—they actually put pumpkin chunks uh, in their beer. So it's it's pumpkin meat and brown sugar and spices they put in there. So I'm like, so it's made with real pumpkin. There's a whole thing like. I don't know, two years ago with all the pumpkin stuff. And they were saying how it's all just chemicals and and crap. A lot of times it's just the spices of pumpkin and that's it. You get no pumpkin in it. So it's a goddamn shame. Nice to know they actually have pumpkin in this. I will tell you, I know it's the most, you know, basic bitch kind of thing, the pumpkin spice latte. Y'all, everyone makes fun yep. of it. I have not had one like a, a Starbucks one in years, but my wife makes pumpkin butter uh-huh, which, see? to use like the pumpkin meat 
and you use apple cider and maybe applesauce and spices and you cook it down. So nice. pumpkin butter. And I have used that and a little bit of heavy cream and put oh, so that it's like a spread. To my it's coffee. not butter. It's it's like a spread, like a jam. Yeah, but it's like you know, like apple butter. You, yeah, there's no apple yeah. jam for some reason, but there is apple butter. So it's like almost like a very isn't that weird thick, like a very thick kind of jamish mm. consistency, almost like a nice. peanut butter. So yeah, maybe it is. That's why. But yeah, so oh, I okay. use that with a little bit of cream and put that in my coffee. Not often. That sounds pretty good. Once or twice on the weekends, and I will tell you. It did not. So you can carry a like to go tube of that. And like when you go out, just put that shit in your coffee. Be like, yeah, I got my own. You put that in. I there. have one of those uh, for my, when I do the smoker, I have one of those meat injectors. I could use nice. one meat, just leave a loaded meat injector and just jam it in my coffee. And people are like, what is this savage doing? What is he, he doing? Like, like bone broth into his coffee? Maybe. If you get road rage, would you like get out and jam that in somebody's neck? Be like, here you go. That's some pumpkin mother effort. It can do some damage. Oh, I just think yeah. of like those things like, are scary. Remember Sons of Anarchy when uh, would, would they they capture or they grab Jax's ex-wife and like jabbed her with heroin, so she would like oh, lose yeah. custody of their son. Like, yeah, that's one of the darkest again. scenes of, like, of, of a show that had so many dark scenes. To me, that was one. Of the well, and that was the girl from The Sopranos that got Trey like basically this, the same thing happened oh. at the end. <laughs> just she, about right. She was disappeared. Goddamn rat. Rats gotta yeah. go. Yeah, she like came back as like a therapist. It was a whole weird twist on that whole thing. Yeah. In both series. In in Sons of Veronica was weird. And then in The Sopranos it was weird too. That's I don't know. Weird. <sighs> they were pretty hard to I just remember shows. Chrissy sat on her dog. Christopher, <laughs> you sat on my dog. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, I don't know. It's it all like, yeah, like heroin down and just ugh, squish her little stupid dog. Squish the dog, little yeah. yappy dog. Terrible. It's a horrible way to go for a dog, man. It really is. There's no good way to go. Let's put it that way. Just saying, but that's a horrible way. But there's better ways. There's better ways, that's for sure. There's better ways. There's no good ways, but there's better ways. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you got drinking? So we're doing this again right before Thanksgiving. This is probably going to come out Thanksgiving weekend. So hopefully when you're driving around, doing what you got to do, commuting from your in-laws who drive you crazy you want to see We're giving you some fun happy vibes so i love this week this is one of the best weeks of the year everyone's getting fired up for ski season people aren't working that hard it's nice you can enjoy some family if, if you like your family and you can eat a bunch of good stuff and drink a bunch of good stuff so for my good stuff this is one of my favorite bourbons and i went Ooh, i forgot about this bourbon for a while. So it's always like something newer and fancier and, hmm. you know, trying to find what's the smaller batch and like whistle pig. They have a, they did a version or a collab with pit Viper and did one with Traeger. Oh, and it's that. like, this is all getting to be completely insane. Was it $2.1 million? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> 60 year old McCallum. It's like, is that what it is? You're going to surprise us. McCallum and Listerine. Collaboration, yeah. like delicious <laughs> scotch, scotch flavored mouthwash. You don't even have to brush your teeth. <laughs> you just drink so, the scotch. So I had the original a few months ago. Again, forgetting how good the original was, and then I like this is like the next level one, which is still pretty old school. But I went back to good old Maker's Mark. Nice Maker's Mark right. forty six, which is like the French oaked 
fancy version of the regular Maker's Mark. And I got this bottle actually up in New Hampshire at the good old state store where there's no taxes and it really isn't that much cheaper. Nice. It still seems like you should buy something when you go there because it's seems like, like a deal. Yeah, you know, it's uh it's oaky, it's woody, it's just got that delicious old school maker's mark taste. I don't know. What do you want me to tell you about this? What Wood if you spice. had no taste buds? Would you just be like, it's brown and I Vanilla, drink? caramel. What I did have this weekend for the first time, we did like a pre-Thanksgiving Thanksgiving with side of the family. It's not going to be at real Thanksgiving. Nice. I had some of that, that uh, Heaven's Door, the Bob Dylan mm. bourbon. All right. Very good. A little bit Very of Dylan good. in every, every bottle? A bit of Dylan in everyone, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How does it feel? Well, it's a great unknown. But yeah, that one was really vanilla. Like it finished really vanilla. It was tasty. We were, it was such an awesome like man time. Like we were deep frying a turkey. So just a bunch of guys, a bunch of men watching the turkey, sipping bourbon. Like it just and you didn't awesome. burn down like a barn or a house or an overhang, nothing. Uh, no, th- this was not the first rodeo with the deep frying of the turkey. And Did they ever burn me. something pretty good with it? What's that? Have, did they ever have an accident and like burn like something pretty good? No, this one they they'd gone through all the steps. They brined it twenty four hours. It was dried. Like it was it wasn't it was wasn't wet. I think frozen mm. is the problem. When you see all those accidents online, people don't like <laughs> yeah, it they it properly. And it's frozen, just, undefrosted, just just like like napalm explosion. What are they expecting? Like it's just gonna like fry the outside. It's all gonna be raw inside. Like yeah. It's just a tiny bit thick. dry. May have kept it in a little bit too long, but it's still very good. My first time mm. having a, a deep fried turkey, and uh, nice, you prove pretty good with the bourbon. It was lovely. Nice. So Maker's Forty Six. That's me today. And turkey. And turkey. <laughs> <laughs> you just like go bring like a big glass of that, like at freaking Thanksgiving. That sends a message to like family. Just like a whole big like water glass full of that bourbon just put it down but like yeah i I saw at the liquor store today they had a i guess it's a novelty flask it's like a little gas can nice you know like the old school like yeah rectangular gas cans like one of those nice like use as a a flask bring that with you i mean you go and i i kind of like my family and like my in-laws so i uh, don't think that would be necessary but i guess if you were someone who really didn't that might be the way to go if you want to you send want to a message things up and get out of there. Yeah. Avoid that excuse invite. Let's go to ski news. We have big news. IndyPass unveils a new logo, a new website, and a physical pass. So they announced the launch of a new visual brand identity today. Um this is actually, and- since we're recording this on the Tuesday, this isn't going out till Wednesday. So technically this is embargoed. We're holding it. Yeah. We're holding it until it breaks. So the podcast is going out after that. So we figured we could, we can share without breaking any rules here. Uh, They trust us with their information and we trust the, you know, we, we do the right thing. Um, But they're saying one of the big things is a first ever physical pass uh, to further distinguish the Indy pass from other 
uh, multi-mountain products. So they're saying they want it to be a little more recognizable. They want people to carry it in their wallet, show it, flash it, um, you know, tease their friends, that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, they're saying their RFID passes around around the new brand identity, um, and they're going to replace driver's license and other non-branded IDs previously used to redeem lift tickets at ticket windows. So they're saying pass holders may still redeem for the coming season using the traditional method of showing ID at the ticket window, uh, but in the future they see the RFID bill passes um, being shipped in custom die pack die cut packaging, including bumper stickers and a personal letter to all pass holders from the CEO, Eric Morganson and founder Doug fish. So very interesting that they're doing that. Um, yeah. I'm kind of glad they're getting rid of the original pat, like original logo. Yeah. It just seemed, I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't, I don't know. There's something simple, about it that seemed little, right. Uh, it's there's a lot going on there. You got the mountain, you got the sunrise, you got the skis, you got the different colors. It was okay, but it reminded me of something else. Um, I don't know what, but I was kind of like, it was all right. I mean, well, the big thing is now they're actually going from indie ski pass to indiepass.com. Remember yeah. when we talked to Doug about that the one time and he said, I guess it wasn't it some it, right? sort of indie, like race, indie like racing. IndyCar passed yeah. before. <laughs> Damn. So it's cool they got that. Yeah, I mean, it looks, you know, it definitely looks more legit this way. I mean, yeah. You, you ha- it, in a way, it kind of stinks you got to use a snowflake because it seems like so many brands in the ski and snowboard world use a snowflake, but snowflakes are unique. Everyone's different. So. Right. It's not an indie. See, that one could have been confused with an indie hiking pass, indie mountain pass. No, no, this is indie ski pass, indie snow sport pass, right? Mm-hmm. So it's cool that they're doing this. Uh, having the physical pass will be nice and it'll be easier to go in the mountain that way. And yeah, it's crazy to see how this has evolved, too. I mean, we kind of always love talking about indie pass stories because from what it went from, to where it is now. I mean, they have what 183 partners now across wow. three continents. It's pretty That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just Ooh. seems to be growing and growing. So congrats to, to Eric and Doug. And yeah, looking forward to, to getting mine in the mail. And I'm, I'm sure you are as well. Yeah, loving these passes. Uh always a big fan of Indy. All right. Next up, Evo expanding their footprint in Japan with acquisition of Berglund Hotel in Hakuba. So we all know Evo. It's a great online retailer. Is that Mario, like the you, Cuba of Japan? Hakuba? Hakuba, perhaps. <laughs> We've been to the Evo store in Seattle, which was pretty cool with our buddy Nick. I bought my DPSs from Evo online. Look at you. So the outdoor retailer and experiences company today announced the opening of their second Evo Hotel. Wow. Evo Hotel Hakuba follows the company's first traditional hotel offering, Evo Hotel Salt Lake, which debuted in 2022 in Salt Lake City. Evo is deepening its commitment to developing adventure-based experiences in Japan, which already consists of more than a dozen Evo trip travel experiences across locations, including Hakuba, 
Niseko, and Ferrano. Mm. Rhythm Japan Retail and Rental Stores, Rhythm Rides Instruction and Guiding, and the iconic winter brand that was born in Japan, Oyuki. Evo Hotel Akuba will open following a renovation of now-acquired Berglund Hotel, which was built in anticipation of the 98 Nagano Olympics and renovated in 2012. Currently, the hotel boasts 21 guest rooms, onsens with views of Hapo One Resort and the Japanese Alps, and an on-site restaurant. Evo hmm. will begin renovations in late 24 and will hopefully have it open in the 24-25 winter season. Sweet. What's really cool about this is, you know, Japan is an intimidating trip for the average. Yeah. Yeah. Because the language barrier is, is pretty much the biggest part of that. And it's one of those places where, you know, if you went to Tokyo, you could probably get by. Okay. A lot of folks know English, but once you get up into the, the mountain area, there's a lot less folks who speak English. So you could easily be like, eh, I don't know. It's a little too tricky. I'm not going to bother doing that. Evo, they actually have these package trips that they offer. And to now have the hotel as part of that, that's really big. That's going to make it, you know, I mean, think about it. They can do it all season now. Oh yeah. Every week or every other week, however they're going to do it. Just having multiple trips out West. And then working, you know, with that Rhythm Japan, which is, you know, the the shop with rentals. So they have 7,000 skis and snowboards, uh, as well as boot fitting services, accessories, apparel. So they that'll do, be uh, awesome. They do a 3D scanning for boot fitting. Isn't that cool? Again, something we've talked about a long time in terms of, you know, how do you, how do you get boot renting to be a better experience? How do you make yeah. it more comfortable? How do you make it so that people, you know, can have a good first experience? And, you know, imagine if you didn't have to drag your boots with you on trips, if yeah. they're able to do it in a, in a way where the rented boot, boots is good as what you're, you're used to. Yeah. And they're saying that, all right, they say in the article that I guess it's in the Japanese Alps on mainland Japan, which averages over 500 inches of snow each year. Average. That's insane. Average. <laughs> yep. And it is a three-hour bullet train or four-hour drive from Narita International Airport, which is in Tokyo. Yeah, that's the big one. Yeah, it's cool. I just hope that they don't try to westernize it too much. You know, we I think we're all... There's certain things that we're comfortable with. But we're also, in a way, wanting... I mean, if you went to Japan and it was basically the exact same experience as going to Vail, why would you not bother? fun. You know? Right. You That's the whole they, draw and allure, right? You get to see another culture and ski. Yeah. That's what makes it so interesting is because... You, you want to experience that different culture. And, you know, I think we all kind of like to pick all the best from all the different cultures and, and kind of manifest our lives and our existence with that. And hopefully this just kind of gives you the platform to do that, leaving the culture, leaving things 
as it should be in that area, just allowing folks to kind of experience it, enjoy it, and make it part of theirs versus westernizing it to the point where again it's like any other place in North America. Right. And I think they're going like, to, I'm assuming they're, it sounds like they're going to do that based on their, their plans. Yeah. Well, I guess the Evo sets up like experiences, which is cool, right? So it's not just that you stay at the hotel, but you, you could enjoy one of their experiences, which is kind of cool. Well, just too. I mean, they guide you, know, you and they take you around going, and that okay, kind of stuff. Here's my five grand. <laughs> just tell me where to go. You know, have, have the hotel set up, have the transportation set up so I can just, show up to the airport, get there, and then have everyone else kind of point me in the right direction to get to the mountain. That's yeah, that's worth its weight in gold because like we talked about before, you know, Japan's a, t- a tricky place if you're not speaking the language and you're from the America, you know, Canada. So doing setting up this way, you got your base camp there, Evo takes care of all that, and you just go and just experience Japan. Like that's, they'll get you there. That's, you know, 90% of the battle. Pretty sweet. Love it. All right. We got one more story here in the ski news. And at this one, I got to tell you, I've been paying a lot of attention to this. Peak Ski Company, they have announced they're doing a crowdfunding round. Hmm. It's happening on republic.com, which I had not heard of. But I guess I subscribed to Peak's newsletter and I got something at the email yesterday and went and clicked on it. They, again, have set up a a crowdfunding. So you go to republic.com and they talk about investing in the future of skiing. Skis have existed for thousands of years, but for too long, the design for and delivery to customers has been stagnant until now. Welcome to Peak Ski Company, the most innovative, customer-focused, and forward-thinking ski company on Earth. In 2022, former Ski Area CEO Andy Worth and six-time Olympian Bodie Miller launched Peak Ski Company. Peak's goal is to reinvent your skis and the way you buy them. In year one, Peak launched with its first six models of skis containing technology and construction that made them perform unlike any other ski in the market. At the same time, we also established the first at-scale, direct-to-consumer e-commerce ski company, giving consumers a more contemporary and entirely new way to purchase skis. I remember it was a big deal when they launched these. There was a lot of hype behind it. They've done a lot of sponsorships of uh, Snowbound, and they were a big part of both of the Snowbound Expos in Boston. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to understand exactly why they're doing this, because they talk about how they, they had some sort of pretty big investments and i remember there was a story when we first when they first launched about how i visited like a venture capital company or yeah, something why would they be crowdfunding right yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to remember or, or find that article about when they had that as you know, when they first launched, because again, it's not a, a not a cheap undertaking to make this happen. That yeah, said, a lot of technology and research, right? Yeah. So they talked about their first year. It was a big success. They, you know, they came out pretty high up in a lot of, you know, a lot of the different 
year rankings. I know this year I was looking at a couple different, and again, they, they came up really strong. They said they had a strong sales year in year one with over 4,000 skis sold and 3 million in revenue. Hmm. Sales were not confined to the U.S., but spanned countries and continents, including Europe, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. High net promoter score earned a strong score of 73, reflecting a deep level of trust and customer satisfaction. Consistent five-star reviews. Voted as one of the top five most memorable brands in the snow sports industry's 2023 Consumer Insights Report. Award-winning recognition, outdoor mag, cover guide, highly ranked test results, backcountry 2024 gear guide, free skier buyer's guide, and a lot of success. So here's their initiative. Uh, developing industry-leading skis in our first year was the first element of our vision and plans for peak. So they're trying to do more. Okay, now I remember the article. I remember that we talked about when the uh, the article came out. I think it was the Wall Street Journal or Barron's or one of those finance companies. They're talking about how they wanted to build things differently and almost get it to you so you can buy things for like three hundred bucks. They mm. wanted to like create a whole new kind of manufacturing process to to get these things, you know, kind of churned out, Easier, built yeah. a lot cheaper. Cheaper yeah. to manufacture. Yeah. And they talk about that a bit too, the re-engineering of the ski manufacturing process. Production methods and equipment generally lack consistency and precision and are remarkably wasteful due to the manual hand labor involved. Existing processes and machinery are quite slow. Peak is advancing the comprehensive re-engineering of ski manufacturing with its German-based development partner, Biller, a renovated global company with clients including Mercedes-Benz, Husqvarna, Bosch, and more. Our re-engineering project is based on a specific five-point development plan criteria, which we spend years developing. At this stage, both Peak and Biller are developing a detailed project plan that provides for a workable prototype by summer 2024. Wow. EU expansion. That showing a co-founder, Bodie Miller, obviously, Andy Worth, CEO, all the different folks, Chris Davenport, JT Holmes, Michelle Parker, you know, all those. That's pretty cool. And now we get to the different levels of investment. So this is where it starts to get interesting, and you can see what you get from that. Yeah, that's what I was just looking at. And this is where I've been, I've been uh <laughs> trying to figure something out. So 500 bucks is the basic one. You can get a hat and a Bodie Miller signed poster. Okay. That's cool. Thousand bucks. This one's already sold out. They only had a hundred. So you get the, the hat and the poster from the 500 level, but you also get a unique peak branded insulated vest from steel, which is pretty cool. So they, they sold that one out. Boom. hundred grand. All wow. hundred of those sold out. And now we bump up $2,500. So you still get the vest, you get the poster and the hat, but you also get 15% off discount any one-time purchase with custom peak carbon fiber ski poles. Mm. That one's looking tasty. And then at five grand, same thing, instead of the 15% off one time, 20% off Two transactions. 
Even more interesting, $15,000. Only seven have invested. This is 50 spots available. So you get everything up there. Get the hat, poles, the steel vest, two pairs of skis. Damn. And a private tour of Peak's headquarters, as well as the Development Group Innovation Center. I'm not going to lie. I'm doing the math in my head. Remember last week we talked about the most expensive skis you can buy? Yeah. <laughs> 15 grand for two pair. 15 grand for two pair. But you get a tour also. So I don't know how get, much is the tour. But you get a vest. Yeah. You, you get all the other stuff. Poster. Exactly. And ski poles. And poles. So basically, you're kind of losing money by not getting this. Exactly. All right. If you got more money burning a hole in your pocket, about 50K. There's 10 of 10 of these left. So, you know, a little bit of time. Yeah. You get all the good stuff. You get the two pairs of skis. You get the hat, the vest. A day of skiing with Bodie Miller, JT Holmes, Chris Davenport, and or Michelle Parker. It's pretty damn nice. That's pretty sweet. And then $100,000. You get all the stuff that we talked about. And a semi-private day of skiing with Bodie Miller. Hmm. Only two of those so left. You, so you get two days. You get two. You get a day, unless they. You get a day with Bodie, JT Holmes, Chris Davenport, and Andor Michelle Parker. Yep. And you get a semi-private day of skiing with Bodie Miller. So that's, that's two days. Of skiing it with sounds Bodie. like. And what does semi-private mean? There's probably somebody like else there. People. Maybe another person. Yeah, fifty people. Well, I'm guessing there's only two spots. I'm guessing semi-private is both the people who invested. If there is two. Oh, that could be. Yeah. They would both go. That would make sense. Yeah, that would make a lot more sense. All right. So, Mario, you're into peak skis. Which level are you jumping in on? I got the money. I think 50 grand is probably the sweet spot right there. Yeah, that's a nice one. That's a nice one for the extra 50. Well, basically you're getting, you're basically, you're saying that skiing a day of skiing with Bodie, JT, Chris, and Michelle is worth $35,000. Yeah. It's a fact though. They need 15,001 is everything else except for that. Right. Right. That's true. Is a day of skiing with them worth $35,000. You could buy a USA gold for the next two years with that money. That is true. You know, um, like, or you could buy a two hundred dollar gun, find Bodie Miller, like going fucking skiing, going skiing, bitch. That's when you buy the fifteen thousand. I don't and the think gun. we definitely do not think that's the way to go. That's not but a good way to go. It depends how bad you want to ski with Bodie. Look at that fifteen grand. You get two pair of skis. That's not bad. Now the private tour of the and you get the vest. And you get the polls. Private tour of the headquarters. Bodie goes to the bathroom. You go next to him, chat him up. They go. Got to sit, hang out with Bodie Miller. Semi-private <laughs> yeah. urination. And, hang out you know, in the bathroom with Bodie Miller. Hang out in the bathroom. <laughs> I was pissing next to him. Yeah. It's better than having a meal. In the bathroom, Bodie it's, Miller. it's more intimate than having a meal. That's, That's true. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the 15 grand one is kind of the sweet spot. My question yeah, just, is like... So you get, I guess, equity in the company if you if you buy this. 
And so how much equity? Let's see what you get. Well, what's interesting too is going into the discussion in this because people ask questions. People who are way smarter and have better business, I don't know, acumen, better questions. Because as a stupid skier as I am, I see I get two pairs of skis. I want to spend fifteen thousand dollars. You know what? I'll put it out of my four hundred one k, and I will get two pairs of skis. That's the kind of dummy I am. So it's nice seeing these questions and people are asking important questions. Are you able to shed any light on how the 1.4 million gross profit resulted in a $6.3 million loss for 2023? What is your current inventory and how, when do the PIUs vest? What is the status of the litigation? It looks like the litigation alone would consume just about the entire raise. See, Dustin Kirby Asking real questions, not which skis can I get, which is, you know. Dustin sounds like a lawyer for the people that are suing him. Yeah. <laughs> and you got some other people. What is the price Somebody of each talking share? talking about their design and proprietary technologies. <clears throat> this person's not even a skier. And they're asking all kinds of good questions. But the lock eight patent they have designed for tracking and locating skis can this technology be used to monitor a skier's performance as well will this raise be for the entire peak ski company and all proprietary technology is licensing the technology the path peak is aiming for like these people are asking good questions and tracy chung went off Uh uh-oh tracy's like asking about tracy chang she went off she's like asking about the value the ipo the loss of money, it's like, ooh, she went back and forth with a few people. Yeah, well, the question... Dance a few rounds with people. Yeah, Dave Clark asked a good question. I see that you sold only 4,000 pair last season, which is a very low amount. What did you do with the rest of the initial production run from Elon? I saw many skis were given away or at huge discounts. Is this program to fund even more skis from the supplier or cover the loss from last year? Without a retailer sales channel, how is it possible to come close to meeting your minimums only via e-commerce? And yeah, then Tracy kind of went in there. Oh, yeah, she was fighting back. And then Dave fought back again. And then Matt Johnson jumped in. And then Tracy jumped in again. And then Steven. And then Tracy. She was out there. Yeah. She was getting in front of that. What equity this would equate to? Your return depends on your investment amount, the company's exit valuation, how much the company is worth if and when a trigger event happens, and the terms of the crowd safe. There is no market where the value is tracked and they are not valued until a trigger event occurs. Peak's Hmm. safe note includes a valuation cap of $36 million. So any future trigger event that converts these notes will be capped at a valuation of $36 million. Investors using the crowd safe get a financial stake in the company, but are not immediately holders of equity. Oh, my God. Let's get into the details of this. This is complicated. <laughs> yeah, move along, Mr. Mister. You're not our investor. Maybe I'll just buy a pair of skis and not worry about this complicated crap. Yeah, why don't you just invest in some other crappy stock that's going to go tank? Do accept credit cards, though. There you go. Who is Tracy Chang, anyway? 
Do we know? I think she was on the. Wasn't she in the uh, article as one of the? Oh, she's a CMO. Boom. Yeah. There you go. It's one of the members of the the board. Of the... There it is. CMO. Damn. Yeah, she came back, Tracy Chang. This is pretty interesting stuff. These are the kind of things we like talking about here because, you know, it's definitely ski related, but it's also, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. Like imagine you do jump in here and you buy, you, you, you buy a stake in this. Say you drop the 15 grand, get your skis now and you just hang on to this. What if peak skis and that production plan with Biller hands out and they do revolutionize ski production and the company becomes worth, I don't know, tack on a zero or two. Well, let's tack on a zero. So 36 million, 360 million. It's the valuation of your stock or your investment, right? Tack on a zero, right? Theoretically. That's what, that's what you want to say, but sometimes it doesn't work that way. I will say I have done one of these crowdfunding things because there was a certain product I wanted. I didn't want to spend the money on it. And I invested enough. And you can't even mention the product now. They're still around. I don't really understand what's going on. It was a clothing company. I invested 500 bucks to get a $150 gift card to get the shirt that I wanted. And then maybe a few months ago, I got an email. They're like, yeah, we're filing bankruptcy. Damn it. Oh, that Did you get to redeem your thing? Um, of course, I got I got the shirt I wanted. So I All guess right, there you go. But now theoretically, the shirt that I bought for 150 bucks cost me 500 bucks because that's how much I spent on investment. But if and they went the back, just, it may be worth a lot of money someday. Hold on to that. So theoretically, at least with this, say you did invest 15 grand, you got your two pairs of peak skis, and then the company goes belly up next year, you still have your 75. Hundred dollar a pair of skis that you can have a wonderful topic to talk about at Apre Ski. You get ski poles with it too, so it's all and a vest cool. and a vest. So, so you, you can ski there with your vest, your poles, and your skis, and be like, "Yep, I was an investor." Yeah, I was, uh, you know, early stage investor, peak. Yeah, it's a fortune angel investor. Angel investor. These things happen. Yeah. I got my, I got, I, I'm, I'm planting seeds everywhere. This is, this uh, is, doesn't you know, exactly. somebody's going to invest 500 and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm in business with Bodie Miller. <sighs> People are going to be like throwing that around. Oh yeah. Bodie, Bodie and I, we, we do, we, we, we're owners in the same company. You know what? And worst case, now if you gotta be thinking this way, this could be a tax write-off, you know, if, if it goes belly up. So there you go. It's a loss, right? still have the skis. Boom. It's something worth considering. End of year. You know, I don't know if any people are looking for tax write-offs into the year, looking to move some money around. Perfect time for tax write-offs. This is kind of cool. I kind of wish, I kind of like that. Yeah, if you need tax write-offs, you book and prepay for your ski trips right now. Just (laughs) boom, boom. Yeah. Just throw a few extra in there. We'll put the link in the show notes if you want to take a look, if you want to get in. Do you have any stories of getting in and what your plans are? Hit us up, skibum podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. So, Mario, I think it's now time for the good old main topic. And as we mentioned, we love ski movies. Who doesn't love ski movies? Oh, yeah. 
I know occasionally I've I've made comments about like, well, why do we make why, why are scary movies even made? Like, is it really just showing off sponsors stuff? Is that the real reason why they do it? So, at least that's before we get me. into this. Well, before we get, yeah, I was gonna say before we get into this, we did talk about the Warren Miller ski movie recently, and Correct. We, did. we did have a comment from our buddy Mark, and um, he's the guy that I uh, met on a trip to. Shit, where was it? It was to Italy. Yeah, it was the last time I we went to Italy. Um, he uh. But he commented, he's like, I don't know if I can get really excited about the Warren Miller this year because it's all a bunch of clips from old movies that I've already seen. And it just seems like we were expecting a little more. Right. And I kind of get it. Right. Like you're, there's nothing new, no kind of, you know, new thing to come out with. Like, well, there was, there was new stuff. And they, it was, yeah, a little bit different. Yeah, they had the uh, the Donnie Peltier, Johnny Mosley kind of collab, which was pretty funny. That had some that, that was pretty fun to watch, but that was maybe 10 minutes tops. Yeah. What they did was they did before the movie even started, they did they should three mini films. They were like, you know, six, seven minutes long. And two of them were skiing. One was actually about local hockey rinks up in Canada and people who take care of them. Hmm. And they that was. The you could vote on those three movies, which were like the best, and the winner got I think ten or fifteen thousand towards making their next film, which was pretty cool. Nice. And I'll say I went in a bit skeptical to the movie. It was short; it was only an hour, but hmm. there was no intermission. It just they just played it through. It was fun because it was almost like a history of more Miller movies, like a compendium, a compilation showing, you know, where it started out the trends of the different decades to where we are now. Yeah. You know, almost like a love letter to the ski industry. I, I liked it. I was surprised how much I did. It didn't have. It wasn't the, the normal expectation though. Like when you go get jazzed up, you go see the Warren Miller film, you, you got a little Warren Miller, you know, the, the narration and then the storytelling about, about everything it is it was different right it was different it was different and i mean i i'm I not was, gonna say it's bad but it's different than what you would normally expect well all the movies i mean for a while there it seemed like it was a bit of stagnation you know yeah we're going to the same couple places every other year and you know the same people and the same jokes and sponsors and you know it's yeah. it was still cool but it was it needed something new and fresh to to mix it up. And this was at least different, which was cool. I mean, I, I really did enjoy it. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it compared to the last couple. But Warren Miller, or at least Warren Miller Entertainment slash outside is not the only one making ski and snowboard movies. That's for exactly. sure. Exactly. So we're going to go over some that we found. And we found a good a good handful of them that either it's a trailer or a piece of the movie or some of them are just the whole movie that we came across. And we're going to kick it off with this one is from pretty much the rival. I would would you say TGR is like the big rival to Warren Miller. You feel like you know, I guess they're like I'll, the two they're big just guns. different. Yeah, they're different. But they're just different. They're definitely different, but I would say they're probably like the two biggest. Yeah. 
movies that you think of is Noir Miller and TGR. And their new film this year, Legend Has It, has a clip or a segment with Kai Jones. And pretty much everyone follows any like social media skiing knows about Kai Jones, who is just an absolute skiing phenom. But he also had a pretty awful injury on film last season. And they were showing, you know, he he's a Jackson Hole skier and had a great season and then had this incident where he was just um actually just, just this past spring, March twenty seventh or March seventh? March seventh this year, you see him dropping in off this just insane run and uh, what is that 70 feet 60 feet he drops in it was horrible and he just explodes and it turns out he broke both his legs both Both now Kai is 16 years old yeah 16 years old and you know it's kind of awful because you know they're out there in the back country and you know he's just screaming bloody Mm. murder and you know, people have to get over to him. They got to helicopter him out. And it shows, you know, what he had to go through. You know, it talked, you know, the, the recovery. They didn't get into it as much as I expected them to. Uh, but, they, you know, they have some some decent hospital footage and, you know, oh, kind of rolling out with his, his double casks on. Yeah, but they show like the accident and it's just like, damn, what do you it's think it, just pretty bad. What do you think that was the drop? 60, 70 feet? He says uh, probably more than that. It was really yeah. well because he touches, but he's still kind of going at terminal velocity. Like he's not slowing down. And he just explodes it's super steep. Yeah. yeah. So the tibia tubercle, tubercle, which he broke, is so there's the top part of your tibia, which is one of your largest bones, a bit. What is the fibula is bigger? I don't know. Tibial, the, fibula, this, are those, those are the two lower leg bones, right? You, the tibia and uh, the femur is the top one. Femur's that's like the, the, really, one the top, yeah. That's the big one. So this the is one there too. Yeah, there's two. There's there's two in the lower. Right. And the tibia is like the big one. And I guess it's the big one kind of where almost the um the kneecap like attaches to the tibia. Yes, you're right. The tibia is the so the big one, and then the uh fibula is the one behind that. Right. So he broke both of those, Oof. which I don't know how bad. I think one was like pointing the other direction for a little bit of the video. It's pretty gross. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's messed up, man. Oh, he yeah, looks, the, yeah. Yeah. The femur oh. is the single, the single thick bone in your, above your knee. And you have the patella and you have the, the fibula and the tibia. So the, well, yeah. The most interesting and horrifying thing of the video is, is like, he is screaming in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and they play it all. And then they show the guys like getting them like stabilized and all. And it was like, it was very real. It gets shit real after a while. You're like, whoa, this isn't just, 
hey, everybody does everything cool. You know, like people really get hurt doing this stuff and you got to appreciate that, you know, they, what they, what they do. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's been in these TGR movies for five years, like since he was 11. Like yeah. that's how sick of a skier he is and has been. And, you know, but they're saying it's a common injury in kids, like it's 12 to 16 because of the growth plates or something. Yeah. That was kind of interesting. Right. Yeah. Not, so they say it's not, not uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Then, he's uh, oof. So it shows a bunch of footage after. And yeah. Now I'm it's, trying to, is that it's like invincible, but I guess that must be footage since his recovery. Right. Yeah. But I don't, that doesn't make sense because it talks about how in the, just in the description of the video here, it says Kai's recovery is going well and he'll be back on the slopes in December. Oh, so maybe that was footage before he. It's got to be. It's got to be before footage. Yeah. That's just wild. Yeah. I mean, and of course, the skiing they showed from, you know, before he got injured, it's, he's just, the the things he drops are bananas. And you see it, like, just how much fun he has skiing. It's, it's so just inspiring to see, you know, someone that young who's that good. And to just, mm. you, you kind of just, just all you can do is just to savor it, you know, like try to try to like enjoy that energy and, and try to ski with that sort of love that, that he is. Cause yeah. he really just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously we're not doing the stuff he's doing. We would break more bones than those. That's for sure. But it's, it's just cool to watch him. Oh Yeah. That's no, very, very cool. Yeah, so that was interesting. That was a neat little... And that's just one little clip of like the whole... I haven't watched the whole Legend Has It movie, but that's just one yeah. part. <laughs> just the clip was very cool. And then we also watched uh, this Brap 3. Did you uh, watch the whole thing on that? Brap 3 was actually the one I started with on Sunday oh. when I talked about my my Sunday of watching ski movies. That was the first one because we originally had put about three movies into last week's main um, ski news. And then I was like, wow, we have so many movies. Why don't we just make a whole main topic of it and found a bunch more. So this was the one I, uh, I started watching and this is, it's the prep three. So obviously it's the, the, the third one. Yeah. Made by crazy Carl. Um, you know, good old Carl Bostved. And this this one's about say 28 minutes total. And that's pretty good. It's cool because they, you know, they do a lot of Tahoe skiing and they go up to um Alaska. They do some some skiing in Utah as well. <coughs> Excuse me. But what's cool about it, they do a lot of snowmobiling too. And some of the places they take their sleds out to is is pretty sick. There's a couple of scenes they show where they're just on this road. I mean, it's got to be like a famous road, but you see these guys like back flipping from one side of the road across the other. And there's cars going by and I'm stupid. And I don't know where that spot is. My guess is it's somewhere in Tahoe, but I'm, I'm probably wrong, but they just yeah. show a bunch of different scenes where they're doing that. They have Carl going up to Alaska and they talk about, you know, he's crazy Carl, but, you know, he really is legit and, you know, did his homework and and found some really 
good quality spots to you know to to do some some footage and not being stupid which you know when you're crazy carl it's not good yeah you, you, know, you think what's what's possible what could be you know you might do something stupid but now it's uh it's, it's super legit it was really cool and i like some of the comments here on youtube and one of the ones that i liked the most is that it says made me feel the way i did 20 years ago watching ski movies engaged nice. flowing with the music you captured a lost art and that's what i thought too you know it was just, cool music it was cool like yes like they weren't trying to like let's put in some you know we need to get some from this brand or from this genre of newer music it was just like fun cool music that was like energetic and just cool fun skiing yeah very cool i like this one a lot yeah that was one of the better ones i saw yeah definitely worth checking that one out again we have the links to all these in the show notes if you if you want to check them out yourself the next one was homesick home comma sick mm. and this was just i just have the trailer here came out eight days ago and this is a, a tahoe movie which is pretty cool and this is the ski for the love crew and they came back to do this again and they talked about pretty much tahoe and how insane last year was it's funny the comments like filmed on location in tahoe and as far away as south lake tahoe Mm -hmm. so it's just this group of you know five or six the amount of snow that was there and it was insane oh i mean it was just such a bonkers year in terms of how much snow they had so you didn't have to travel too far and you know they're just just showing all the great spots in that area the crazy footage super gnarly runs that they found and again if if you're familiar with that area or you're you're a tahoe skier you're probably going to appreciate it even more but i mean kick-ass footage and you know a bunch of buddies doing this together it was this was a cool trailer i don't know when the movie is officially coming out and i don't know if it if it is already Mm, doesn't look (laughs) like it I don't know when it's coming out, but that'll be cool when it finally does come out. Yeah, very cool. All right. And then next up, we have Mountain State 2.0. Another, again, every one of them is cool, you know, but they're all in their different special ways. This one is uh, Josh Dake and his crew. And this is the again 2.0. So this is the second one of these these films. And pretty much they're skiing in Nevada. And I guess the last time they did it, they didn't quite have the experience they were hoping for. And this year, I guess they they kind of lucked out. And what's cool is like, and I didn't know this, they they kind of focus on Highway 50 which is the loneliest highway in America. Hmm. Look at that. And luckily because of the, you know, we talked about in the previous film, you know, Tahoe, that area getting all that snow, usually it's like 80 route 80 corridor North. This one kind of this little, little further South area was able to get it. And, you know, they kind of, they, they talk about how cool the skiing is, but they also show some of the, like the crazy people, crazy places they encountered too. 
couple of really funky bars and just a different, you know, again, it's like a, a different twist on this movie because there's actually like a story behind it. There's like a, a tale. And, you know, the area they chose is in a spot that in some winters is not going to get snow that they, uh, they fortunately got last year. So when you look at it on the map, it's pretty much you look at Reno and when you go east, it's 80 goes goes northeast. This goes southeast. Hmm. And it just it just goes pretty much across the state um, and then eventually into into Utah. But I wonder exactly where the mountains are. There's like, you know, kind of ghost towns they hit. And it it's it's kind of mm. fascinating because you learn a little bit of geography, history. Different, different things. Loneliest you know, like highway in America. Yeah. It's right by Virginia City. That's a is that a ghost town now? I think so, yeah. Virginia City is like just north of it by a couple miles. And it's cool too when people do stuff in different spots. You know, like it's not the same thing every time. Let's go from Sac- Sacramento to Maryland. Wow. Oh wow! So it just keeps yeah, going. The Nevada portion is is crosses the center of state and was was named the loneliest road in America by Life Magazine in 1986. Wow! So there's like a town called Middlegate. Which is, let's see, what are we talking? How many miles east of Reno? Like, I don't know, 80, 100 miles? Population 17. Reno, Nevada to Delta, Utah is considered the main route along the loneliest highway, which is seven and a half hours long. Wow. So that's pretty interesting. So wouldn't that be a place, if you were doing a cross-country trip, wouldn't you be kind of fascinated to go on that road? Yeah, they're actually saying, so Life Magazine dubbed it, uh, the Lonest Words of America claimed that there were no points of interest along the road and warned that readers not risk traveling unless they were confident of their survival skills. All right, so I'll take back exactly what I just said. That would be a stupid place to go. (laughs) Holy crap. (laughs) Are you confident in your survival skills? Yeah. Okay, but isn't it cool that there are still places like that? Yeah. Instead of I'm sure having a pretty shit cell phone service, right? Everything's got an Applebee's. Everything's got a freaking Home Depot. It's nice that there's areas that are still raw, rugged, nasty, gnarly, scary. So remote, they probably have a Bob's Big Boy. <laughs> yeah. Or even uh, Arby's with the old school hat as still the, uh, the yeah. sign. Or Hardy's, right? That was the one that disappeared. Is it Hardy's? Oh no, Roy Rogers. That was it. <laughs> oh, we're, there's still a few of those at rest areas in the northeast. At rest areas only, right? That's weird. Weird ass reason. Roy so Rogers. if you want to check out some different spots, this movie's definitely worth checking out, which is cool. Now, Mario, this one I was I was talking up. The last you, gunners. When we were talking about doing this episode. Yeah, the last gunners. This is a cool. Yeah, I was, this was watching part of that. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah, this is from the folks at Ski Utah. You may have heard of Utah and the skiing there. It's quite good, believe it or not. Yeah. For 75 years, the silent hours of deep snowy mornings at Alta Ski Area were ruptured by the reverberation of heavy artillery echoing off surrounding granite crags. Since 1949, weapons of war have been an invaluable tool in combating the ever-looming threat of destructive avalanches in Little Cottonwood Canyon. Drop into the story of Alta's pioneering artillery program from infancy to its conclusion in 2023. These massive artillery pieces recruited for a peaceful purpose now face retirement as Alta uh, presses ahead to the forefront of the latest technological advancements in avalanche mitigation. Yeah, there's a lot of new technology, but this is, it's pretty incredible. You, you talk to some of the ski patrol and they're like, even today they're, they're saying like, you know, in areas that are hard to get to, they'll still hand drop bombs. They do sled bombs. They drop stuff from helicopter. Like they'll do every form of dropping explosives, which is pretty funny, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, these guns are pretty awesome to see. It's, it's cool seeing the uh, the old footage, these, you know, old dudes kind of using this and, and seeing what they've evolved into and the new technology, which is probably a little safer, a little easier to use. Yeah. It is cool, though. Um, and I know they use a lot of those, sun, um, those, what is it, natural gas, and they have those tubes. They look like a little J-shape coming out of the mountain. Okay. And what they'll do is they ignite gas and it, it blows out almost like blowing a charge, but it's in these fixed areas where they have constant, you know, avalanche problems. So they, they fix them in there and they can just by a push of a button, like set them off and it just blows these areas. It's pretty, pretty impressive. To think about yeah. it. A lot safer too. Yeah, they say in the entire history of the program, over 33,000 rounds of ammunition were fired, protecting millions of skiers in the town of Alta. So in 2024 and beyond, Alta will continue to use remote avalanche control systems. Avalanchers. So, yeah, it's a big change. So, kind of cool to, again, get a little history and and see how things have evolved, changed, grown over the years. Hmm. Yeah. Now, another story, <clears throat> dream. And this one, you know, we talked about redemption and injuries and Kura Koivisto, who is a, I believe he's a Finnish skier. Kura hmm. Koivisto. So he's, you know, he's a, he's a park skier uh, for Armada. And this video is kind of his story and you know showing again similar to the the kai jones story he had a super gnarly injury uh it must have oh, been wow. it must have been last year and you know they show they have the video footage and he he blew out his knee mm. and what's what i liked about it is you know again it kind of shows the nitty gritty of him in his redemption and his return, you know, the workout sessions he had to go through the training, the process. And 
you know, you kind of look at a lot of these, you know, the park skiers, free ski, and, you know, there's, there's still laid back, chill vibe. You almost think like, oh, these, these, these guys and girls are just such slackers. They really don't, you know, not that they don't do anything or work that hard. It just doesn't, you don't, they don't exude that like different kinds of athletes do. Mm. And just to see what they have to go through after an injury like this, it's inspiring. It's, it's, it's motivating. It's, it's incredible really. And I mean, imagine that's your job. That's what you do every day is like, you are a, you know, park free skier like this. And imagine this talk about nine months of rehab to go back and to hit that first jump, that first feature, like how exciting and terrified you've got to be. That's a long road. You know, you, you, you rehab and the thing that's in the back of your mind is I hope I don't hurt it worse than it was. Right. Yeah. And again, too, I mean, you're, you know, 21, 22, 23, you're that age where, you know, everything you've done up to that point in your life, you've dedicated to the sport and yeah. you get hurt. Like, like, and worst case scenario, say you, you injure yourself that second time coming back. Like, what do you do? Yeah. And that's a terrifying realization or, or thought if, if that's what does happen. But to see him just kind of get back on there and to get back into it, you know, and to, you know, to get to injured again, you know, to, but to, to fight and to get back and to get back to where he was. Like it's, it's, it's so incredible. I mean, I can't imagine that mental hurdle you have to get past after an injury like that. Cause again, it's not like you're well, yeah. an accountant who goes skiing, gets injured. And like a couple of years later, like, yeah, I'm going to try this again. And yeah. you just kind of, no, that's, that's your nothing. career. That's what you do. Yeah. Wow. So that one's that one's really cool in that regard to check that one out. And there's one last one. And this is a bit of a I'd say an interesting pick. Not good, yeah, not it is bad. Kind of it kind of reminds me of actually trips that I'd take with buddies that you're like, all right, some of this stuff actually really does happen. This is the ultimate. We're in college. <laughs> Someone either got high or had an idea like, bro, we should start making ski movies. Exactly. That's the other one did. part where they, the they, the one part where they show the guy eating. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It's like, yeah, the Montana bandits. They have a new film called bandits unchained. It's their third year in a row and they're back and wow. better than ever. Better stunts, better skits, better cameras. Grab your homies, crack open some cold ones, and enjoy the greatest ski film since sliced bread. <laughs> Metaphor doesn't even make sense, but I like it. Please do not try any of the stunts you're about to witness, but if you do, at least make sure the cameras are rolling. <laughs> <coughs> now, so the court I'm, not a copyright, I'm not a copyright lawyer, <laughs> but the music, the visuals that they used here... I hope they don't get sued and I hope one of them went to got like a legal degree because <laughs> like, I, hate being, I, I hate being that old guy making that comment, you know, like I, I wish it wasn't something you had to worry about, but 
but you do like 20th century fox like music and like whoa this is a legit <laughs> operation then they're like eh, fuck it dude and there's like spongebob and using like metallica like they're using like you know music that could lead one to getting sued over well you only get sued if you're using it for commercial use you're trying to make money on it right if it's not making any money then maybe not i don't well, i know like I don't when know. you upload something to youtube it does a a uh, copyright check yeah that's true. But this apparently passed. Yeah, they got it passed however they did it, right? Yeah. But it's just like a it's just bizarre. There's a naked guy on a snowmobile. There's it is random shit going on. Like a weird western, you know, like saloon with like playing cards and shooting. Like it's well and then they have a whole section on. with the with the um the boat, the hunting, and he fake shoots a guy. Like it's a whole, it's a weird ass thing. It's it's definitely, but it was definitely weird. But it's interesting, it's entertaining, right? And yeah, you mentioned the guy with the food. He goes to like the I don't know the food court or whatever at the uh, resort. And yeah. he eats like everything. I will tell you, I was entertained. It was pretty entertaining. And then they did the Happy Gilmore, like the. <laughs> Standing in the uh, it was a softball fast pitch, and they're oh, just standing like in front of it, getting hit. You had the batting cage, this is kind of funny. I will tell you, it's worth checking out. I like the kind Montana of a little bit of jackass, a little bit of skiing, a little bit of pretty damn good skiing, gotta say, and boarding. Awesome skiing, boarding, awesome snowmobiling. Like, it's just it was just fun. Yeah. They should be one guy just dropping it just straight down. Yeah. Crazy. It seems like it's like a, you know, just, it's so cool seeing like a bunch of guys, just buddies in college together, deciding to just do it. Make it happen. Yeah. It was cool to see. Is it refined? Is it going to win some sort of like award to con? No, but you know what? Who cares? They had fun doing it. It was fun to watch. So that's right. Love the Montana Bandits. Love their little logo too. It's pretty much Clint Eastwood from the Good, the Bad, the Ugly, with goggles on. Just copy everything. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what did that what did that weirdo Andy Warhol do? Yeah, it's made of soup. Just copied freaking... stuff and made it colorful. Campbell soup can. It wasn't anything Campbell. really that fancy. It was a Campbell soup can label. That's it. And same with like other crap, the uh, yeah, Marilyn Monroe, whatever. Yeah, just a print of her, and that was it. Different colors. Yeah. So if you people think that's nice. art, then this is goddamn better art. That's right. Good job, bandits. Well, good luck to everybody with these videos out there. There's plenty out there, and these were all free on YouTube. They're trailers. Some of them are full movies, but it's fun to look at and if you find something that's a trailer and you want to watch it at least you got you know what you're shooting for yeah we'll put the links in the show notes too so you can check it out and so you got something to do over the thanksgiving weekend yeah after turkey welcome (laughs) all right well that wraps up this show for the week thank you so much for listening we do appreciate it check us out skibumpodcast.com send us an email skibumpodcast at gmail.com especially if you want stickers nice posters 
We got it. Hit us up. We'll hook you up. Boom. The socials, X, Instagram, Facebook, Untapped. You're at Ski Bum Podcast and YouTube. It's a merch shop. Ski Bum Podcast.com slash shop. This fresh sweatshirt. You can kind of see it. This is a legend. The hat. This is actually the back of it. Great hat. That should be on the website too. Skibumpodcast.com slash shop. Go to 10,000. 10,000.cc. Use the code BSchneider15. 15% off. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluting. See ya.